Now, here's a question for you. Your house is on fire. And apart from the kids and maybe some other family members, what do you save? Photographs, jewellery, an old hat, your laptop. Josh Crosby has been trying to discover what is really important to people. Afternoon, Josh. Good afternoon, Sean. I suppose it varies for different people. It does, of course. Look, look for it's different for everyone. For some, as you said, the jewellery, others photographs, maybe old knitted blankets from their childhood. The, the family treasures that are steeped in history, memories and stories. But when it comes to inheritance, things can get tricky and messy of who's getting what, who feels like they deserve something. All of this family drama can arise. But but if we pair it back a minute from the, the money side of things, the, the large estates being divided up and just focus on the heirlooms, the, the precious, precious items that might be stuffed away in a wardrobe, but they're still part of a family story. They're the things that mean more to us than any anything for, for a lot of people. So I went about asking people on the streets of Dublin today, what are the items they would like to pass on through generation to generation and if they've received anything sentimental themselves. First up is Esther who moved back to Ireland from San Diego and has brought her mother's necklace with her. Esther says she wants to pass this heirloom onto someone who would appreciate it. I brought it to Ireland with me to leave it here. She was a dealer on Merce Street and she emigrated 66 years ago to America and I brought the necklace. Isn't that funny? So that necklace has gone full circle, back home again. Yeah, but I have to find somebody to give it to, somebody special. And what's one item that you'd like to pass on to your family and to keep? in your family for my kids not a thing they wouldn't appreciate it I've never inherited anything as yet but my mother is a hundred so she's coming up to a hundred what age (laughs) and is there one item of hers that you can have your eye on Uh, not money now but something kind of that's special not really maybe a piece of her jewellery or something like Mm. that just to remember her by and yourself have you wanted to keep something in the family is there anything that you've had for many years possibly just photographs I think I'd save yeah but they're all on phone now anyway so yeah well all I have is my car and they're welcome to that the car be the physical item that someone's going to get they'll be fighting over it probably will they'll sell it and share the money between them there's only six of them is it a fairly fancy car now no it's not should you be looking to get two grand for it if the house was on fire now what's the one item you grab my phone your phone yeah <laughs> all your numbers and your photos yeah, my photos and my memories heirlooms are too big <laughs> I've got a grandfather clock a grandfather clock. You couldn't. Yeah. Put, you couldn't put that uh, over your shoulder. No, no, no. You couldn't. No. You, uh, I haven't got anything particularly yeah, small. Yeah. Was that grandfather clock handed down to you? Yeah. Is, yeah. How many generations is it going uh, back? Probably three. So, so that is the one item, I suppose, that you'd like to keep oh, in the yeah, family. Yeah, it comes from about 1928, I think. So it still works. Tick tock. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I wouldn't be able to pick it up. What have you been handed down yourself? Oh, it's um, a piece of jewellery. Belonging to your... My mother. Your mother? Yeah. So you've held on to it now, you've kept it safe? Yes, indeed, yes. And do you ever wear it for special occasions or does it... Well, my granddaughters were just asking, we were looking at it the other day, and they said, why don't you wear it, Granny? So Granny's got to wear it. So the granddaughters have their eyes on it as well? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it'd be something anyway that you'd love to stay in the family? Oh yeah, I would have been just a few things, but that's the most precious one. There you go. Yeah, grandfather clock is uh, kind of a cool thing to Mm. uh, pass down. Then again, you know... You can't give it to your your daughter who's living in a small bed, you know, in a, a small bed of a bed set or an apartment. Uh, that's so. Uh, uh, so yeah. So is it? It seemed to be like some of those things like might be valuable but it's more like they have a personal value to people really it is Sean the sentimental touch like with all of this stuff when it comes to old furniture toys memorabilia the, the first place the mind goes is, is a box in the attic or, or for those in this business I suppose of collecting sourcing items with history it's of course you're thinking about the antique dealers and we know these prized possessions can 
can come at a hefty price tag, but it's the quality and the character, I suppose, of a piece that, that ups the price. If a chair or table has been around for over 100 years, then I suppose if, if they could talk, they'd have a fair few stories to tell. But a lot of these items have come from big manor houses, homes of a different era. They've served their purpose for the previous owner and, and they're in search of a new home now. I met with Niall Mullen, who owns an antique shop on Francis Street here in Dublin, to hear about all the, the beauty of antiques and their stories have been passed down through family trees. I actually met Niall at one of his storage units. He's preparing for a sale in two weeks, which has a range of items that have been props and films and series, such as the Banshees of Inishirin and, and antique couches from normal people. So at the warehouse, there was everything from stools, lamps, tables, couches, suitcases, you name it. But, but in his shop, he mainly specialises in Art Deco from the, the 1920s. Niall says there's actually been an increase in antiques starting to appear in recent years. The market has changed, Josh, because people are not that into furniture anymore, I think, because people don't tend to have a house the way one was guaranteed of a house years ago. They're nervous, but they'll buy nice objects, collectibles, items that they can bring if they move house. From your own experience, people you, you chat to, how does someone decide to depart with an item? Maybe something that's been in their family for generations. Well, I think the last couple of years ha- has seen a, a huge amount of items come in the market, and COVID is fundamentally responsible for that because a lot of older people died and houses that probably were not being sold had to be sold and there were massive houses particularly around Dublin 426 that came in the market and then there were siblings left facing having to empty out a house and sometimes what happens is even though it's belonged to their parents their own house their own style of house doesn't suit so they're forced to put it into auction and as a result the market became a little bit crowded and kind of the larger furniture pieces have become a little bit too cheap for what they're actually you know, what they are made of. They're not making really what they should. So sometimes people just say, look, I'd love to keep mum and dad's sideboard, but it just doesn't suit. So it goes to the market and it moves on. When people are buying antiques, they're not only buying the the piece, they're buying the story that comes with it, the history behind the piece. Well, if, if an antique dealer buys a piece of furniture at an auction, and he gets that restored and he puts it in the shop, you're not necessarily going to be able to tell the person where that came from. But if it does have a provenance, if it is linked to a house that uh, Charles Stuart Parnell owned or Daniel O'Connell, that is important and that definitely will add to the value of it. And it's like this auction is coming up, the fact that these pieces were seen in some of the most iconic movies and productions over the years, people would say, you know, I'd like that couch because that actually was the couch in normal people. So generally, when you go into an auction, the provenance is not attached. And that can be a bit of a problem in the way people appreciate it. When it has a link or it's belonged to somebody else, that definitely will increase the value. For anyone listening today, they have a grandfather clock in the attic, they have a piano somewhere, they don't know what to do with it, but they feel attached, they feel loyal, guilty. What advice would you have for them? I would probably try and encourage people, rather than saying, you know what, it's in the attic and it's in the way and we should get rid of it and sell it, I would actually encourage people to hold on. All antiques, they have a story. That was antique shop owner uh, Niall Mullen there. I don't know, would you need to know the story if, if like, this chair belonged to Lord Ponsonby Smythe and he got shot in it? That's where he died. Would you be more inclined or less inclined to buy the seat? I don't know. Well, Some people might think that was cool. It's when you bring over your um, your friends, your esteemed colleagues for a glass of red wine and you like to blow your trumpet and say, oh, that was... There you go. Gone.
And there's the bullet holes. <laughs> yeah. That's a bit of his entrails there. Ah, lovely. Yeah. So but I assume jewellery, though, would be, would be a big one because obviously it's yes. transportable and, and deemed to be valuable. Of course, yeah. It's a big hitter when, when it comes to family heirloom rankings, if you like. We heard in that Vox that they are the pieces that people want to hold on to. Maybe maybe it's for their worth or just memories of always seeing certain jewellery on their parents. It could be a locket for, old photos in it or a pocket watch I actually know someone who, who got their great grandfather's the wax stamp that they used for sealing envelopes turned into a ring and it was lovely to kind of see something mm. repurposed in that way Niall was telling me there was a Scandinavian survey carried out which points to the idea that in 50 years we'll, we won't be passing anything physically down to our children or our younger generations the way fast fashion fast living materialistic lifestyles have gone and, <laughs> and when, true, yes. yeah, I mean, your, your will is full of like ASOS jumpers this is uh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone just wants the money. Everyone just wants the money. And the likes of grandfather clocks and big chests of drawers. How many families are really decorating their homes with that kind of furniture? But, but another outlet for people to part ways with heirlooms and family treasures is, of course, the pawn shop. So, so I popped down to Pat Carthy on Marlborough Street, who's a pawn broker and jeweller. He's been there 47 years. Now, now Pat's estimate was that there were, there, were, there were eight pawn shops in Dublin when he started out but there's just three left now Pat says he only takes in pieces worthwhile and he could refuse up to ten watches a day Gold is actually worth a lot of money so the jewellery shop is quiet people aren't buying it because it's too expensive but they're amazed the money they got in the pawn office So people they're finding bits and pieces around, lying around the house and Yeah well, a lot of them have had it for years they might sell it or they might pawn it you never know Depends on the circumstances. Every person's different and their reasons are different, but what are some of the kind of common trends you might hear where people will want to part ways with something that might have been in their family for years? Well, a lot of people use pawnbroking as a short-term loan. That's very handy. I mean, they go into a bank, they're probably not accepted or they had the jewellery on them, so they might as well go in and pawn it and get money. But then I suppose if it's a piece that might have been handed down from a parent or a grandparent, there's a bit of family attachment there... Well, there is, but a lot of people, when they discover what the gold is worth, they decide they'll sell it. Heirloom or non-heirloom? It doesn't count. If they get money for it, they'll sell it. You know, if they need the money. Or they'll pawn it and take it back out again. And would you find that many people return and do buy the item once they get the loan to tie them over for a while? Well, they don't buy it back. It's always theirs when it's pawned, but they're just getting a loan on it but uh, still their property 90% of people come back for this stuff yeah and we say for someone listening now if they have a piece in the attic or shoved in a drawer with years in a jewellery box how do they know how much it's worth or would the advice be to come in and well the best thing is to come in and we'll tell them how much it's worth yeah often people are surprised what they get I can tell you because they didn't pay anything like that when it was bought could have been handed down to them, yeah, it cost them nothing. <laughs> and have you found that it's getting busier and busier? It has actually lately, yeah. And the higher the gold price goes as well, more people decide to sell. They say, what's the point in holding on to this? Gathering dust. Yeah, what good is that? Uh, there you go. That was uh, a pawnbroker there, uh, a Pat McCarthy. Uh, a few comments uh, on all of this. Uh, Minnie the Minimalist says, the only thing I want to leave to my kids is an appreciation that possessions do not matter. Uh, someone else says, two years ago, I was left a ring from my grandmother. I lost it two weeks later. I was so terrified to tell anyone. So they all think it's in a safety box at the moment. I'm hoping everyone will be dead uh, before they find out that it's missing. Well, not to be kind of uh, nitpicky there, but if they're dead, they'll never find out it's missing. Uh, and someone else says, uh, uh, my sister no longer speaks to me because I was left something over her. It's all a load of rubbish. 
my kids will be getting nothing. And that's, yeah, that's Josh, that's where it gets nasty when it turns to the kind of legal side of things. Exactly. Your text were hit on the spot there. This is where it can get very tricky. Someone dies, one sibling says, oh, mom always said that necklace or the brooch or the ring was to go to me. And then who knows where its intended destiny was meant to end up. But if plans are put down in black and white, a slip of paperwork can solve a lot of stress. The thought of wills is something... A lot of us like to, to put off. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like linking death with finances. For many, it's something we can even feel guilty even thinking about, let, let alone talking to a, a older loved ones about. But those in the legal game highly recommend getting into a solicitor to, to state what happens what and who is getting what. I took a trip out to solicitor Kevin O'Higgins' practice in Black Rock to hear all about the finer details of wills and probate. Kevin says it's key people seek professional advice. There have been so many cases where people have tried to DIY it. It just doesn't work. It makes lawyers very wealthy because it ends up being contested in courts and that's not what your departed loved one would want. But a well-drafted will can give you peace of mind. And for anyone listening, at what point in life should you start considering a will? Like, Where does the bank balance have to be at? You should certainly always make a will once you become a property owner. And I mean, as part of my practice, every time I would act for you know someone who has purchased a property, I will always include a will as part of that process because I think it's important that once you become a property owner, you have a very valuable asset and it's important to make provision for it. What are some of the common mistakes you come across when it reaches probate and you're liquidating an estate, when it gets to that stage of the process? Maybe the testator's name is not clear enough or maybe he has signed his name because you know he's not able to actually physically sign his name so he marks an X or a Y that has to be explained maybe the occupation of the witnesses isn't clear and that has to be explained so all these things if your will is well drawn up it's going to reduce you know the possibility of these sort of queries later on What happens when it comes to actual physical items so they may not have great monetary value but they're sentimental they're a family heirloom what's best practice when it comes to legally protecting them? You should certainly itemise them you know some people do it in their wills you know some people do it by way of a letter of wishes which would be an appendix to their will you know the testator might know that their niece or nephew or something has a particular affinity with that particular you know item that of course is purely sentimental value they will want to make it clear that you know that's to be protected and that's to be put aside and it's not to be thrown in the skip (laughs) that was uh, solicitor kevin o'hagan's there uh speaking with uh josh crosby of course uh, if there's one thing your kids will appreciate you leaving behind for them it's cold hard cash